You're listening to the AfterBuzz TV Network. Now the largest new media platform on the web and your number one source for after-show entertainment. Very good, Gene. From Los Angeles, California, and Maria Menounos, and streaming live thanks to Akamai Technologies, this is AfterBuzz TV Spotlight On. Spotlight On is a long-form interview series featuring actors and TV personalities. And now, from the world's number one TV after-show platform, this is AfterBuzz TV Spotlight On. great song. We have a really cool guest today, and this is kind of his theme song, I would say. I don't know. It's your personal theme song. Okay. We are here with a man who has produced shows on the CW, TLC, National Geographic, Animal Planet, E, and most notably, Lifetime for the entire Dance Moms franchise. He's also the president of Collins Ave. He is also a very, in my opinion, I think you're a very talented TV host. You kind of do it all. You're a singer, which I'm sure people don't know, but you'll you'll hear more today. Aren't you full of compliments? Jeff today? Collins, everyone. Hello. <laughs> oh my gosh, can we do that again? I slow like clap, that slow clap. Slow clap. Slow clap. Is this the inter- after buzz internet clap? Okay. This is the yes, it is. Right. My phone. Get rid of my phone. All right. What's up? What's I've up, never Jeff had Collins? an introduction like that before. That was good. Really? Yeah. You should just follow me around and say st- nice things. I because people would don't love always. to do that. How many times I compliment you when I walked in? I know she did. I think please. you're hot. I think you have a great bang, a banging body. And now we know you're blind. I'm not blind. You have a banging <laughs> body. I don't really. You go. I honestly, I have to say, I I'm slightly hitting on you. You okay. are very good looking. You Jeff know, Collins. I can. It's been a long time it's since anyone's time. hit on me. But. Well. Listen, so hit a, away. I'm I'm hitting. I'm slapping. Yeah, I am you don't even have to force. do that because I'm so forthcoming anyway. So if you're trying to butter me up to get the goods, like you didn't have to do that. But I, I, I'm, I'm I appreciate the extra effort. I knew I that there it. was a lot underneath. See, I listen, guys. I wh- whoever knows Jeff Collins, you know, you know him from most notably from Dance Moms, the reunions. He you know does all the hosting for that. I always thought there was some part of you that was so mysterious. Really? Not in like a set, like obviously I think you're super hot, but like it was more like, I want to know more about him because you don't give a lot. Like you, you know, you're there to do your job, to tell the story. Well, I'm not that friendly. So maybe I, that. I think you're super friendly. Well, I mean, I am to you because you were nice to me, but just in general, I'm sort of that guy. Yeah, but why would if you, you see me out and about? I'm not, um, someone, I, w- I was talking to a shrink recently who said to me, no, it wasn't a shrink. I was talking to a, um, um, an executive coach mm-hmm. and cause I'm, I'm going through some executive coaching to figure out how can I be a better leader? And she was asking me all these questions about me and she said, Oh, you're an introvert. And I went, I am. And she said, yeah, you kind of listed all these things. And she asked me like, what do you like at parties? Are you the kind of person that's gregarious and goes around and says hello to everybody? And I said, no, not at all. Are you the kind of person that gravitates to someone you know? Yes. Do you, like, not mix well with others? That's me. And I'm like, oh, shit, I guess I am an introvert. Like, I, I guess I'm really not that friendly. Like, But you know what? The introverts that become extroverts once they're comfortable are the best extroverts there are. Okay, well, I'll go with that. Like, people like me, you don't want to hang out with people like me because I'm like, I talk to everybody. I'm like, yeah, it's I'm a little... Yeah, I'm not like that at all. I talk to everyone. I'll go to the side of the street to somebody at Ralph's. I'm like, hey, what's up? How are you? You want to be my friend? I mean, like, you're like, you pick and choose. You got a cool posse, I'm sure. Well, a I don't... Cool gang I, hanging out with you. Yeah, I mean, the thing, you know, I am terrified of... um forgetting people's names and so i'm the worst at that and so i I have a phobia of even meeting people because i'm so 
I forget to go, you know, they said, well, you ask someone their name and then you use it again in a sentence and then you say it two or three times more. And I've never been one to do that. And I just sort of launch into a conversation because it's easier for me to just start talking. Yes. Than it is to go with the pleasantries. Do you ever find that when you are hearing someone's name, you're not really in the moment thinking about that? You're almost thinking about the next thing you want to talk totally. about? Okay, me too. I'm thinking like, why are you talking to me? Like, what what do you want from me? Like, what? Do you know what I mean? I'm thinking like, how can I be interesting to you? Because I'm sure I'm really boring. Like, whatever it is you want to know. So I'm not thinking about that. That's our problem, though. It's that right. we're not in the moment because I'm terrible. I, right. I think I inherited it from my father. He I think calls you're not everybody really into me or you're just asking me something. You want some information or something. Yeah. So I'm, right. I always think the worst. Yeah. Right. No, I'm totally... I don't... Yeah. I, I actually had some horrible experiences with that where I've met people a million times and I don't know their name. Me it's, too. Yeah. I can't... If I'm with somebody else, I can't introduce them. I yeah, it's terrible. It's horrible. Terrible for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And especially being in this business, you, when you need to know people's names, it's like well, the worst. The thing for me that's the absolute worst is that when I'm with my peers and my colleagues, because... Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. There are a lot of things where production company owners and producers get together for different types of conferences, or we see each other. Right. You know, and these are people that I genuinely really like and respect. But then when you put them all together in one place, now mind you, these are people that I don't uh, socialize with. Other outside of work, they're right. you know this is professional settings. These are people that I know professionally, but I don't see them a lot. I see them three or four times a year, maybe you know when you're talking about one person. Mm-hmm. And so, especially when you put everybody together in one place, and you have all your memories going. Oh my gosh, I that's so and so who owns this company or produces that show or does this or I met him the other night at you know uh, a dinner party, and it just my mind freezes because I get so terrified of it. I get it. Terrified. I get it. I know it's terrible. And then you're already fearful of it in the beginning, so you already like psych yourself out. Yeah. It's- I love those people in movies, like, uh, you know, I think it was in Anna Wintour when they, you know, The Devil Wears Prada, where she had an assistant that would just walk around and whisper, This is so and so. You met him at the party. This is, I'm like, wouldn't that be great to just that would have be that? amazing. Like, Google should invent that. For you know year. what? Yeah. That would be a brilliant money making plan. Yeah. Really would. I mean, but, but even so, like, if you're having meetings and stuff, you already know ahead of time, but it's like, it's those yeah. people that you, that you, you see, right? Yeah, it's yeah. the worst. It's and it's so insulting on their part because they don't, they've known you and right. you don't remember their name. And some people are really good at remembering names. Like, I have people who've come up to me that I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I've met you once. And that was six or seven months ago. And you're memorable. No, I don't know that no, it's I that. Think... I think that it's there are people who are really good at that. That that's a skill. You think so? I remember one time when I was doing what what you're not what you're doing, but I was a um a young um associate producer an assistant on Entertainment Tonight. Yes. Which is when you were probably in diapers. I love But you. there was a, I remember one time uh I my, I started my career I was Lisa Gibbons assistant and yes. she would interview like all the really big stars and we I remember meeting she met and I was with her Arnold Schwarzenegger who was you know friendly with her and he was a really really big movie star and I remember this thing that Arnold Schwarzenegger would do and he would come into the room and he would see the crew and he would see the cameraman and the audio man and he would remember their names how are your children so and so and so and so how have you been is your mother better and I thought to myself oh my gosh like that's brilliant how does the guy do that and then later he becomes a politician and governor I thought okay that's 
probably why. Well, he's the Terminator. He's the That's Terminator. That's why. But I thought to be able to to be smooth like that. You know, come yeah. into a room full of people who are all behind the scenes people and mm-hmm. remember their names and say hello to them. Now, mind you, he'd met them before. Right. But, I mean, imagine if you would, if you were in that situation and yeah. you're a movie star, how many people would you meet in I the am course a of a star. year? <laughs> well, so yeah. I do. I understand. How, I mean, look at the people that you meet in the course of a year. Like yeah. if you saw, if you ran into them at the grocery store, would you remember their names? It's terrible. It's I, terrible, yeah. I ran into somebody at a restaurant that I've, I know that I've had That's been multiple sitting here. You conversations with him. Multiple right. I called him Devin or something. He's like, it's right. Steve. And I'm like, I wanted to die. Right. I couldn't fix it. I couldn't make it. I, it was done. Yeah, it's I, was, I ruined it. And it's terrible when you do that thing like, hey, you, how yeah. are you? Oh, my God. It's so good to see you. Yep. Yep. And you know they know. They're like, exactly. asshole. You don't remember my Yeah, name and then you're standing next to somebody. You cannot introduce them. It's the worst thing. You just yeah. have to, It's just awkward. And then you're just praying that they – or you do – this right. is also kind of brilliant. You'll do, oh, do I have your phone number in here? Do you mind just putting it in? That's a good I one. I do that one a lot. But then if it's like – or if I'll say like, how do you spell your name again? They're like, Amy, A-M-Y. Then I'm fucked. <laughs> I'm like, oh, all right. That almost worked. But Dave. Yeah. Well, I'm like, well, some people spell with an I-E and then they know. They already know right. you ruined it. But that's right. a, it's just try it's it one time. It's if you effort, really yeah. need something – that's like a last resort. It's the effort. It's the effort. Let's get into, though, speaking of Lisa Gibbs, I, re- I really want to paint a picture for people of how you began in this industry because I just see somebody who is a natural in front of the camera, and I have been wondering since I first saw you, like, what does he do? How did he – why is he well, so – so you moved to L.A. after you went to college and you studied – you did singing, correct? Yeah, I was a voice major in college, and I – was after college, I ended up in the big uh, Las Vegas style shows, some in Las Vegas, and I ended up in one in particular that was in Reno, Nevada. And the genre, don't be offended, ladies, was called, is called to this day, Tits and Feathers. Okay, and when I asked you on the phone, do you know what tits and feathers is? I knew. You, you knew what it was. So My what that means is Vegas, like when so. you when you see those old movies like from the 70s, and of course it wasn't in the 70s, it was in the 90s when I was doing it. Um, you saw the girls with, you know, the rhinestones and feathers and big showgirl outfits. And they were the ones that, that genre was created. And that was what they called it was tits and feathers. Because the girls were topless. The right. dancers were topless. But it was like, a, and it they still wore, was classy though. Like it was a classy way of show. It was like artsy almost. It was very artsy. The guy, the guy who brought it to Vegas was this very old producer named Don Arden, who is in the Guinness Book of World Records for having his name on a billboard longer than any person in history. And I first got to work in one of his shows when I was 20, 20, 21 years old. Um, and he was a very old man at that point. And there are only one of his shows left and it's called Jubilee. And it's, um, at whatever that, the, I think it's Bally's might be the name of the hotel. Now come full circle, Anthony Burrell, who was one of the choreographers for us on dance moms and in Abby's ultimate dance competitions, uh, actually in Abby's ultimate dance competition is a choreographer that was invited to go back there and refresh in that show. With a couple of other really big name choreographers. And Full circle it So is. I ran into him recently, saw him somewhere, and he said, oh, Jubilee, you know, we were talking about the fact that it was a Don Arden show. What did you do in there? Do you, you sang. I was a singer. I wasn't a dancer. I was a singer. Yeah. So we didn't get feathers on you. No, like, no, 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 no. no. Okay. I, did, I didn't do any of that. But I did, I did have to. I used to do, when you were a singer, you had to do the big production numbers with the, with the full chorus. So I did dance, but I was in the 
back row in the corner with hey, the tall still guys. Did it. Who, you know, don't take that. I wasn't away. like one of the really great dancers. I was like, I was a, I was a singer who could move, is what they call. What well, would Abby give you? A one out of ten? What would you give? Abby you? ten being the best would be really rough on me. <laughs> she would be. She would probably tell me that I that I was not cut out for that career. And that I, hey, at least she'd tell you the truth. That right? I probably need to go get a job waiting tables, which is <laughs> actually what I did. You know, when I ended up in L.A. So okay, so you so I came out. So went I did to that. Vegas to, from Vegas to L.A. Well, I went. You know, I was working in a lot of places. I think my last stop before coming to L.A. was I was in a show in Miami Beach, like for you know the the winter. So then I I I went. I came out to L.A. and uh, I was in my twenties still at the time, and I thought I was going to be famous because that's what you did. You know, I'd worked in all these shows and I'd always you know gotten jobs because I was tall and I could sing and I could move and I was good looking, I guess, halfway yeah, decent. And so it. I thought, well, that's what you do. You come out to LA and you, you know, you get famous. And so I got here and they were like, do you write songs? And I'm like, no. And so we were doing lots of showcases. I was trying to be a singer. So there were showcases. That was the thing. You did showcases all over town. You'd go with work with a band and you'd, you know, get six songs. And then the, this was the thing, the, um, the sly part of it, or I should say the, uh, the, the, uh, the part where they got you was in order to be on the showcase, you had to guarantee that you could get 10 of your friends, right. To come and pay 15 bucks or whatever. So that was 150 bucks. So if there were eight or 10 of you on the showcase and everybody was responsible for bringing in 150 bucks. Well, the guy who's putting on the showcase, who was the promoter, mm-hmm. he took the loot, right? So you're basically just paying the guy. It was a, it was a whole scam, exactly, it was a total scam. But you still got exposure, and you still got to practice, hone your craft. I, I mean, don't know if we got any exposure. I mean, you never know. You know, we were we were you felt guilty because you kept calling all your friends, going, "Hey, can you come I to know. another showcase and pay 15 bucks and see me sing again for like the tenth time?" And no, I don't have a record label. And yeah, there's like these record people coming, right? Because that was always the scam. Is they promise you that oh, there's gonna be record people there. You're going to be right. seen by all these people, mind you. Who, they still have those today called casting workshops for actors. Right, I did those too. Oh, you I did, did those okay. too. Yeah, you pay like you know. You have it to was pay a lot. Them. It was like four hundred bucks or something. Oh to God, be, where where did you go? I went to one that was you know they were Jeez. it was several you know weeks and weeks and weeks. Oh and okay, it, on, okay. Yeah, it was like an ongoing workshop, and the 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 scam was at the end that there would be a legitimate you know casting director who would come and mm-hmm. see you, and it would be you know thirty people in the class who've all paid four hundred bucks, and you go through. What you know, three or four weeks worth of sessions, and then at the end, the casting director comes. Well, you know, they were just divvying up the money, and the casting oh, director please. had no intention of ever calling you. And no, actually, one casting director out here actually does not even use agents. He will cast right out of workshops. Really, His name's Scott David. That's the only person I know of, though. He does like Criminal Minds and stuff. Everybody else that I've ever so gone he goes, to, he goes to work. So it's legit. It's there's there are some legit yeah. ones now where you pay like thirty five dollars and you'll be seen in front of a casting director. Mm-hmm. They'll give you a they'll give you some sides. You have like right. ten minutes. But um, I had my five minutes of wanting to be an actor too, yeah. and I was like, yeah, that's not for me. Because like you, I didn't want it as much as the air yeah. you breathe, as you said. I feel like <laughs> I feel like that I was I was um uh you know easy prey to the lowest of the low. <laughs> Of the Hollywood scam system. And I'll tell you what did me in, and I haven't thought of this story in years. I was working with this guy who was a, you know, a musical director, and, and we were, you know, and they kept saying to me, do you write? Do you write songs? And I'm like, no. And so they said, well, you, you need to have original material. So, I'm, you know, I'm working with this guy who's coaching me a little bit, and, and he's supposed to be a manager. And so he says to me, well, you know, I know this brilliant husband and wife writer team. And I can get them to come, and for a month, we'll literally lock the doors, and we'll roll up our sleeves, and we're going to come up with, like, you know, eight original songs for you. But 
I need you to give me money <laughs> in order to pay their stipend, right? And because they have to live. Yeah. But they're really talented writers and he's giving me showing me all these songs they've done. And so this is really what did me in. This is this was the clincher. And I remember this. It was it was six thousand dollars is how much he wanted. Okay, it might have it might as well have been sixty thousand dollars. I didn't have six hundred dollars. So I put it on my credit card. Oh no. Yeah, I did. Fell for it. Oh no. So they show up, they legitimately show up, and I worked with them twice, I think. And they got in an argument and fled and bolted with my six thousand dollars. Those not just the two oh, of them. Oh, I the, would the, love to find that. The manager as well. Yeah, bolted. Wow. Took off. So I think the whole thing was just a scam to of get the course. money. Of course. And that was How when I was just like, I cannot, I can't deal with it. Yeah. I don't want to be famous that bad. Yeah. I don't no. want to be in business anymore. I think we all have those moments where we realize it's like a realization and it obviously costs a lot to get that realization, yeah. but but then you realize it's like there's this is this is the crap you have to deal with. It just felt like one scam after another after right, another and right. I wasn't connected. I didn't know anybody mm-hmm. and maybe I wasn't that talented. I don't think I was that talented. I don't think I wanted every everyone said, you know, in order to be an actor or to be a singer, you know, and I really wanted to be a singer and I thought maybe acting was just a pathway to 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 being, you know, a recording artist, which is what I thought I was going to be. I think that I just was so taken advantage of and I was so green and so naive and I was willing to do it right. that it was just one after another after another and I realized I don't really want this that bad right I'd rather do something else where are you from originally? I'm from I grew up in Asheville North Carolina okay well yeah it's not like I mean if you were from New York or something it's like maybe you'd have a little more of like an like a no. you know like city like mentality no where I had just, zero you just trusted people zero and, city mentality yeah <laughs> Zero city. And I still trust people a lot. You know, I do. People that come into my circle. Um, I'm not a micromanager. I if I hire people to do something and I trust them to do what they said they could do. And I, I trust them until they give me a reason not to. I found out here more often than not, I meet people that seem so normal. And then there's just that thing about them. And you're like, right. oh, my God. And, and it's like, well, all these people move away from their families. They're all here for selfish reasons in a sense. Right. So it's not like you're out here to meet friends. That's secondary. Right. You're right. here to do what you got to do. Right. Um, but I, I... And everybody has an agenda. Everybody, yeah, You just have course. to realize that. Everybody has an agenda. Right, right. Yeah, Hollywood's different. It is different. different. But it toughened you up, obviously, because look where you are so. now. I think so. Yeah, I think so. But I don't think you got that. You, some people get successful, you know, by cutting someone's throat, doing whatever they have to do, stepping over no, somebody. No, I've never had to do that. You, yeah, I, I you don't just do did it, it the real way. It. Right. Like that, so yeah. it just shows you guys that you can just do it the real way. <laughs> we try to be... I try to be fair and reasonable... As much as I can. Right. Know. But when people, sometimes the people on the other side of the table are very unreasonable, so. Right. Well. What are so you going to do, right? Ha- no, I mean, I I think at the end of the day, it's it, it's a learning lesson. Right. $6,000 to learn a life lesson, <laughs> I guess, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, Last I, half you know, and I, and I see myself on the, you know, I see myself in that story and I don't ever want to become that person who's taking advantage of people, so. I, you never know. That's but, re- you, you know, reality TV, like, I think that a lot of times people assume that what we do, you know, I own a production company. There are a lot of people that work for me. Um I'm not involved in every decision that's made. I trust people to make the right decisions. I think that people a lot of times assume that we as producers, that it's up to us the way the show gets made. And I often try to explain to people like, look, we we do have a lot of say creatively in the shows and we are the ones who who initially come up with the creative. But once there's a, once it's a series and a network is involved, you know, there's another voice that's present at the table. Mm-hmm. And, and the people who are on the shows and the people who don't always realize that. They don't always, you know, they always blame me for everything that's that's Who's going their way. You? I no, want that's their not names. going their way. I want their you names. You know, they blame me for everything that's not going their way. Oh, 
He's popular. My brother. <laughs> my brother who never calls me. Oh. Now he's calling me. Well, you'll have to call now him he's calling me. I'll call him later. It's all right. We'll call him later, yeah. yeah. I don't care. You could pick up the phone. No, There's no right. rules here. No, it's no right. rules. <laughs> but, but, okay, so yes, I, I want to know about Collins Ave. I do want to know. So basically you went from not wanting to do acting. You said, screw yeah. this, basically. Right. And then you start working for Lisa Gibbons. I was a cater waiter. Can I get you a cocktail, ma'am? Oh, you did that? Yeah, because okay. I, I could not make the showbiz thing work. And I thought, okay, I am smart enough to figure this out. And I'd been a waiter in college. You know, I grew up like middle class, like, yeah. uh, you know, didn't, didn't come from money and always had always had to work when I was in college and in high school. And so I, I was a waiter. I waited tables. And so when I got out here, the catering thing, I'd never seen that before. You know, you go with a catering company and work in rich people's homes mm-hmm. and celebrities. And so during that process, I met Lisa Gibbons. Who oh. at that time she was like the babe on Entertainment Tonight. Well, she still is a babe. I was just going to say she's that. totally she's a, babe a babe today. I shouldn't say that. Sorry, Lise. Um, <laughs> but she she was like you know on Entertainment Tonight, and I was a cater waiter in her home, and because I was from the South and she was from the South, we kind of connected on that level. And then every time that I would see her name come up on the board at this company, this this cater waitering company, I would say, oh, I want that job. It's, you know, it's Miss Gibbons, and I really like her, and she likes me, and let me manage her party. And so she was entertaining a lot, and over the course of, like, three or four or five times, you know, over the course of, like, a year, we sort of got to know each other. And I remember one time I was standing in her backyard, and she said to me, what do you really want to do with your life? And I thought, oh, my goodness, this is my opening. And I said, well, funny you should mention that, but I really want to be someone's assistant. I really want to get a, a job in, in show business and learn about television, and I'd love to be someone's assistant. And I said, you know, you know a lot of people, a lot of famous people. If you if you could ever recommend me, I think I would be really good because I'd be willing to cook for people, and I would I would clean their house. I'd pick up I their dry cleaning. I'll then. do any. That's I'll wash so their car. I'll take care of the kids. I'll do anything, Ms. Gibbons. And okay. she said to me, well, what about me? And I go, I, I was thinking, oh, my gosh, this is too good to be true. She said, yeah, you know, my, I have an assistant who wants to uh, become an editor. She doesn't want to be an assistant anymore. And if you come to work for me, you know, maybe I can find a space for you. And if you prove yourself, then, you know, we'll see what happens from there. And so I started my career with her. Uh, and I didn't know anything about, you know, her job or what she did. And so I would cook for her at home sometimes and throw parties. And she was literally paying me personal checks, like out of her personal checking account oh to get me started. And I was still cater waitering. And so it was to see if I could learn the job. And then as her assistant moved on to the actual, you know, uh, uh, editing job that, that she wanted, I was able to take the, the salary, the mm-hmm. assistant salary. Yes. And that's how I got started. Well, see, they say but you I was have to willing, ask out here. You have to ask. Yes. And you have to be willing to mm-hmm. do anything. Yes. I was willing to cook. I was willing to wash cars. I was willing to pick up dry cleaning. I was willing to do all those things. Mm-hmm. All all that were things that she needed because mm-hmm. she was a very, very busy star yes. who was doing a lot of stuff. And she trusted me. Right. You know, to do that. And from that experience... I learned about Entertainment Tonight and how it was made and I learned, you know, how to handle her schedule and how to book and how to make appointments and do research for all the interviews that, that she would go on. And that's how I got started. There's a fly in the room, so I'm sorry. There's a fly. It's yeah, okay. I'm sorry. The, your work ethic really showed that, you know, she could trust you. I think that you, your right. willingness. There's so many people out here that I'm not doing that. Right. No, I'm not doing. No, and I was willing to do anything. If you're not no. willing to do that, then you're not going to be willing to do anything else. And right. how, how, who are you? 
Right. You know, the fact is, that at the end of the day, we're all just trying to prove ourselves. Well, and I, I mean, perhaps that's what that, that's how I ingratiated myself to her at the time. Is you know, I would say, well, you know, do you want to do you want to have a dinner party on Friday night? Like, I'll cook. You know, you can invite your friends or you can do whatever. Can I go shopping for you? Can I? Hey, how about your car needs washing? Can I have the keys? I'll go get your car washed. And so I think it was because I, my willingness to do all those things at that time, yes. you know, and I wasn't, I, I didn't have a sense of entitlement. Right. I was willing to do anything. Right. Because I understood, I understood how, how tremendous the opportunity was just to be around her and be on a hit show and be observing what was going on. I thought it was the best education that you could ever get. And look, I'm not going to say I didn't make a lot of dumb-headed mistakes and I wasn't like, you know, cocky and... Right. You know, because I was really insecure and I was around all these people who were seasoned producers and, and I was new and green and, you know, I remember the first day I showed up to work, I I went uh, and I was wearing like my cool little vest and my tie and, you know, and it's like production. Yeah. And I was like really overdressed because I thought... And like I think prom. She, yeah, but I think she thought it was cute, you know, that I, and she kind of like let me get away with stuff like... I love this. But love no one else was. You know how people dress on a show. They were wearing yeah. jeans and yeah. t-shirts and the head writer wore flip-flops and board shorts every day. But and see, here I was like with my little tie because I was from the South and I was really, you know, proud that I was working on Entertainment I, Tonight. It was I a big literally, deal. It's, and you had, had a, a lot, job on the Paramount lot. But you had a lot more of a city mentality than you're even right. giving yourself credit for. Yeah. The fact that you knew that this was an opportunity yeah. and that you, you stepped from the bottom up. You literally... Are right. one of those people that started at the bottom? No, I absolutely started. That's at the bottom. amazing. I started. No at one the would know that about cooking you. and cleaning and washing someone's car, and was grateful for the opportunity. And you know what? And she lived up to her part as well because I remember she always said to me, um, she said something to me that that I carry very dear with me to this day. She said, "I will trust you until you give me a reason not to." One and two, she said, "Information is knowledge." So I will share with you all the information about my career and how this job works and who the contacts are and you can be in the room when I'm on the phone because that's the only way you're going to learn yes. about how this works. And I'll, and I'll trust you until you give me a reason not to. So, you know, I never gave her a reason not to trust me. I understood how valuable that was and, and that information was and I, I kept it private and I kept my nose down and I worked really hard. And, and she would say, whenever you see a position around here that you think you can do, you tell me, and I'll try to help you help you achieve that. So I would be like, "What a wonderful!" Well, one. how about I could be an associate producer? Or I could do this, or I could be a booker, or I could be a field producer. You know, so so I I kind of got my bearings there. I give you so much credit for speaking up and saying I would like to do that. I would like that's not easy. That's in, it's an intimidating place to well, be, I, but you 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 grew trusting of one another. I think. And well, and you bring up a very interesting point, which I I don't I've never thought of. I haven't thought that much. Is that I was willing to do anything. I was willing to do anything yeah. to be in show business because I'd already, you know, I already felt like I had failed. I felt like that I, mm -hmm. I came out here. I thought I was going to be famous. That didn't happen. And I realized it wasn't going to happen. Luckily early, mm -hmm. um, that I, that I didn't really have, uh, the desire for it. I maybe I wasn't talented enough. I probably wasn't talented enough. Maybe I wasn't good looking enough. I wasn't connected enough. I didn't, I didn't know the right people. I wasn't playing the game in the right way. I realized it. The point is I, I realized it. I it's realized the handwriting was on the wall, that that wasn't going to happen for me. It's not even that. Sometimes I think people think that they're not good enough, but really it's, the casting directors have a certain role they're looking for. Right. You don't have green eyes, right. so you're not going to get that part. You don't, you know, you don't do taekwondo, so you're not going to get that part. And it's the people that are willing to wait and risk losing out on their twenties and their youth, and and it's right. a huge, it's your life. Right. 
You know, and well, I think and, you, you know, knew that life was more important than are, waiting around. And, and well, and I'm also six foot two, and they would always say, "Wow, you're really tall. You're so tall." Like when I would go to auditions, and oh, I really? thought, "Oh, well, I don't fit," you know, because the girls are mm-hmm. shorter or the right the people, people are, are smaller. Here, yeah. They're smaller. Yeah, you know, because you have to fit. You have to be the right size mm-hmm. to to yeah. to be opposite someone. And I think I was too self aware to be an actor. I think really good actors are people who are not so self aware. You're extremely self-aware. The amount of times that you mentioned. I am now. I am now. I think you, well, I think that you also, a lot of people in their 20s, I'm sure you were in your 20s then. Yeah. You seem to have a lot of um, self-thought. You are always thinking about situations and and, and kind of uh, figuring them out in your head. Like, how come this didn't work? It seems like you, you didn't just take no and then walk away. No, I didn't. You'd have to be like, no, but maybe it's because of this or because of this. I was was self-reflective. I was able to look in the mirror. But I think you hit the nail on the head when you talk about a work ethic. It was really and truly about the work ethic. Yes. You know, I grew up in the South. My my parents were, you know, they worked really hard to, to go from... You know, families that were definitely on the lower side of middle class to to move themselves into the middle class. And they worked really, really hard, as did everyone in my family, right. everyone around me. You know, my my um, my dad's parents were farmers and they didn't oh, have really? a lot. Yeah, they didn't have a lot. You know, they, they weren't educated people like my grandparents. And they grew tobacco. And, you know, it's North Carolina. It's very rural North Carolina. So I grew up around people who worked really hard for what they had. Right. And I, I just innately understood that that mm-hmm. that was part of the game and I still do sometimes I leave my office at like 7:30 at night and I'm driving home with the dog in the back of the car and thinking and feeling guilty and I'm like what is wrong with you it's 7:30 it's 7:45 and I'm and I'm driving home and thinking I should have put more time in I should have stayed longer and that's just nuts have you, you ever know? felt good enough so that's the bad no no, no. I'm yeah oh my god this is like therapy I if you really want to know the truth about me the thing that I work on the thing that I'm trying to work on at this stage of my life is to is to stop and smell the roses is to stop and go hey wow we 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 not me we accomplished something together um you know and to celebrate the things that are the failures and to celebrate the successes as well because in the business that I'm in most of what we do fails it's tremendous rejection you know when you think about a hit show like dance moms um, there are a, there's a lot of talent, there's a lot of luck, and there's a lot of you know catching lightning in a bottle to have a show like that. And they all have to says, come together at the exact same time. They all have to come together at the same time. And to mm-hmm. think that you or one person or two people created that, it's foolish. It's absolutely foolish, and that'll lead you down a road that that has a a, a dead end because. I recognize that, you know, Abby and the dance moms and the producers and myself and the network, we all played a role in it. We all realized that we had something really, really special. Mm -hmm. And we all did our part to craft it, to get it into the place that it is, you know, that became what it is that you see on television. Um, And, you know, Abby has tremendous talent. She's a very, very talented TV performer. And that's not something that you can teach. It's not something that you can guide someone in she just is she's a bigger than life personality and she doesn't edit she says what's on her mind she's she's the opposite of what I was you know when I was trying to be in front of the camera I was very self-conscious and very self-aware and I don't think she is I think what you see is what you get you know yes I think a lot of times people who are are highly intelligent as well and they're right. and they are business you know they have a, I think you were also thinking about because you have a, a very strong business sense I mean you right. 
you were trying to brand yourself, I think, when you would go into these rooms. I think you were trying to figure out your type. You were trying to figure out what the, what the casting directors were thinking. You were trying to figure out, did I pick the right outfit today? Do I know my lines? I, th- I just think that you were so self-aware. Right. Um, and, 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 you know, that works in certain settings. In producing, that's why you're where you are. Well, and you go back to, like, when you think about um, great talent. And, you know, sure, we're, I think that we have some very, very good producers who work at Collins Avenue. We're doing a new show with Abby called um, Abby Studio Rescue. Yes. And I brought you a promo. Yes, we're going to show that. So the, the amazing thing about Abby and her talent is that the, the show is about her going into failing dance studios. So it sort of has the same DNA that Dance Moms has, but, she, you know, they're one episodes. So it's it's a little bit like a bar rescue kind of show. Yes. Or you've seen those Tapathus takeover, those kind we of shows. We love John Taffer here at After Buzz. And she's amazing at it. And, and she, awesome. I called her actually on the way over here and told her how good she was because it. I think it comes on July... I think 24th. it's July 24th. It's June 24th. Isn't it June 24th? I think it's July twenty fourth. July twenty fourth. I could be wrong. Okay, I know the yeah. Well, I'll we'll post it. I'll post, post it. The it post link. it up, please, because I cause I apologize. <laughs> I have it written down, but I, I should know to, this because I have it written down. Actually, you told like me names yesterday. and dates. But I'll anyway, you know, when you it. think of someone like her, you, you can June twenty fourth. June twenty fourth. All right, nine p.m. The thing about Abby that's so amazing is like you can say to her, you know, when she's about to go through the door and and meet someone for the first time, you go, look, this is the issues. This is these person. This is these are the four points that we need you to hit. But What's going on here? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, what what is it that you want to the the parts of the story that we want you to tell in mm-hmm. order to make make it make sense to the audience? You know, when you just give her like four or five, sometimes six bullet points, and she's like, okay, okay, I got it, I got it, I got it, and then she goes into it. You know, yeah, she storms but... her way into it, and she's herself, and she talks, and she's extemporaneously telling stories, and she's like saying hello, and she remembers all those points about, and she works them in effortlessly, effortlessly. See, I don't. That's think she's real self- talent. It's, it's talent, That's and talent. I think that it's not so much that she's self aware in the sense that she, she just oo- remembers. She it. oozes with with confidence, yeah. though. She really does. Confidence, and she yeah. she. It really is confidence because she tells herself, I've got this. Yeah. She walks in like, I got this. I don't give a crap what I look like. Uh, right. Whatever. My hair's going to get messy. I got this. And that's well, why that's, she walks in. That's funny. That's what she says to me when I said, she goes, I got this. No really? way. I got this. Really? Seriously. Hey, look at Get it. out of my face. I got this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's so funny. I just feel like that's what she would say. No, it I, is. That's what she says. Yeah. I got this. Get out right. of my Really, Jeff? Right. Really? Seriously? Right. Exactly. And I think that you can almost trick yourself into right. being super confident. And yeah. I, there's been so many times I've done things that I, I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do, but. Right. I got this. And like, I just, I know you just figure it out. Well, I'm the same way when it's me pitching, you know, because I, pitching for us is like auditions. You're kind of like a salesman in a sense. It's completely a salesman. And there's so much rejection. You know, I have a staff of people who are in development and their job and what they're paid for is to come up with new ideas. And we spend a lot of money developing. And, you know, in today's marketplace, you really need to go into the market with a reel. So if I was making a sales reel about this show, Imagine what that would be like if I was mm-hmm. shooting you and shooting the studio mm-hmm. and saying this is what the show is and this is yep. what the TV – you know, imagine how much money that costs to do that. And you have to edit it and you yes. have to make it slick and, you know. So you go into these pitch meetings and you put it in and you play it for them and then you you come out and you're, you know, you're really enthusiastic and you're trying to explain to them why this is going to work and why this is a great idea. And just to be shot down like over and over and over and over again like, you know, cable network after cable network after cable network – and and then you have to understand that is the nature of what we do. Right. Most of what we do, ninety nine percent of what we do, doesn't work. It doesn't. So when you think of production companies that are really successful and they have three or four or five shows, imagine the volume of material 
that they have to put out in today's marketplace to in order to get four. to get three or four. You have no idea. You it's never think about it. Oh, it's yeah. overwhelming. Yeah, and it's it's interesting that you've gone everything you've ever aspired to do, everything you've put, you've actually done, has been something very difficult, almost unattainable in a sense. You've gone for acting. You've gone for singing on stage. You've gone. You know, TV hosting, working for Lisa Gibbs. It's like you, you do know yourself. You do know what you're worth and you do know what you can mm-hmm. do. And I love that because you, you, I don't think you even know that because if you didn't think anything of yourself, you would be working. I mean, not to knock any job, but you wouldn't be doing right. what you're doing. No, that's true. I mean, I certainly don't have the you're pedigree. I don't I have the pedigree. I don't have the education. I don't have the background, uh, that a lot of people who have achieved what I've achieved, um, have, but, I have the work ethic. Mm-hmm. I have the work ethic. That's the and only I'm thing the guy, that matters. Well, and you know, I'm it the really guy is. who's willing to. And sometimes it's it's interesting in life when you see people in a certain scenario. Like, let's call them your peers. Mm-hmm. Let's let's take you for example. I'll use you mm-hmm. as an example. Right. Let's say that you see people in your peer group who are, you know, they're on TV like you are. They're hosting a show. You have a career. You 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 have a vision of where you want that career to be, and you know maybe they're throwing shade at you, you know, because they think they're better than you, or they think they're they have more talent than you, or they're better looking than you, or they're mm-hmm. going to be more successful than you. Okay, I'm the guy that's had that happen to me my whole life, and I just kind of find it amusing when people underestimate me like that because the thing that I look at them and I think subconsciously in my head is I think, okay, you may be all of those things. You may be better looking than me. You may be more talented than I am. You're probably more educated than I am, but you're not willing to work as hard as I am and I will beat you at it eventually. It may take me a long time, but I will beat you at it eventually. And and in many, many situations, I, I do. I always have. All you have out here is your reputation. It's all you well, have. Yeah, and, and you've you... created one that when people hear Jeff Collins, oh, that guy, yeah, that guy works really hard. Well, that guy, you. And yeah. that's what you've created. You've, you've literally had a blank slate, and that's what you did on it. You, you created something. You created an identity that people hear your name, and that's the first thing that comes well, to look, mind. You know, I started a production company. And I'm not saying stupid people that like write no, I'm saying it. people that are well, actually that. care and actually know what's going yeah, on. Yeah, I mean, look, we've created a brand, and we're very well respected in the, in the, in the reality community, and now we're venturing into scripted, and we're doing digital, and we're signing people like Viners and, and people who are stars on YouTube, and, and we're doing a lot of work. You know, we have a lot of really big clients. I think the thing that's um, that's really that I get a lot of gratification out of is look, look. I started my business with with someone else's money when the economy was literally crashing into the rocks, like in two thousand eight. I mean, the whole world seemed like it was coming apart, and I had this business deal with uh, a company from you know some investors from from the UK, and and in the deal. They were about to pull out of the deal because, you know, the board of directors was saying, why, why are you throwing money risking at this guy? You know, I'd run a production company for two or three years, but I'd never owned one. I'd never run my own company. Okay. I'd sort of been the creative head of one. Now that was September films. September films, yeah. And now you're talking about content media in regards exactly. to Collins Ave. Okay. So, so because of the success of, of September films and, and a show called Bridezilla's that I was very, very involved with, I didn't create it, but I was very, very involved with producing it for, for many, many years. That's and kind of felt like I was the one that got it on the right track and, and, and it went on for eight or nine seasons and is seen in 150 countries all around the world. Because of the success of that one show, okay, there were people who were willing to come to me and give me money to start my own company. And I was like, well, are you kidding me? And if I fail, I don't have to pay it back? No, it's a wash. It's investor money. So we were in the midst of making this deal and the economy was literally unraveling. So 
you know, they came back to me and they said, well, you know, uh, the board of directors and they're worried. And I said, I got on the phone with the CFO, CEO one night, just the two of us. I said, no lawyers, no agents. And I said to him, I said, look, how about this? Let's redo the deal. If I'm not a success in 24 months and meaning by a success that I have a series sold and on the air and by a series, I mean eight episodes. If I can't prove to you that I can do that in 24 months, you can pull the plug. You love now, a Now, 24 challenge. months is not a lot of time. No, it's not. You love a challenge, huh? Not a lot of time. <laughs> Look, you know what? I didn't have a choice. Yeah. I didn't have a choice. Mm-hmm. I This was like, I, I opened my company and it was a, a one little office, a thousand square feet with myself and an assistant uh, and, a, and a development executive who was, a, you know, new at being a development executive. The three of us. No I way. I did not have a choice. It was, and I remember I would drive home every day and I would go, this is sink or swim. Sink or swim. You're going to swim or you're going to go into the water and drown because where else are you going to get a job? Because understand, I had pulled away from being a showrunner years before that. So I had not been in the field and I was not really competitive in that marketplace, like being a, being a legit, you know, executive producer. So, you know, when I was older than a lot of producers, I mean, a lot of executive producers are in their 20s and in their early 30s, and I was older than that. And so I knew that I was aging myself out of that game because Mm -hmm. it's not unlike acting. You know, there are different stages of of your producing career where when you start to get 40, you're up against people who are in their 25 and 26. Well, why are they going to hire? Because the job is so challenging and you're traveling and you're... You know, it's not that you're too old to do it, but a lot of times you just don't want to do it because right. it's like, how much longer do I want to be on the road? Right. You know, right. I got dogs and a house yeah. and like dogs are like babies. somebody who wants me at home. You yeah. know what I mean? Right. It's like you, you figure like in your own life, when you start to build a life, you don't want to do that anymore. No, absolutely. So you start not. turning those jobs down. And, I, and so I knew that when, when I opened Collins Avenue, that, that those opportunities, that life, all those things that I did before, I knew that that was gone. I knew that I couldn't go back there because right. it had been too long. And it was literally, I remember telling myself, sink or swim. And this was five years ago. Motherfuckers. <laughs> yeah. It was literally sink or swim. Like your, your ass is going to drown. And I, and I, I just thought to myself. And you I are a risk taker. I thought there's no one standing on the bank with a raft. I don't see a person. Like this is, you better fuck, pull this out. You better make this happen. Unbelievable. And you did. And you did. And I did. And you know, and I'm at you a place. You did. I, and I set yes. those goals for Amazing. myself now. I feel like I'm, you know, I look at where I want to be. I look at where the, I want the company to be, where I'm sitting here today. And, and so when you asked me before, like, you know, what my issues are and how we were talking about, my thing is I don't know when to stop and smell the roses. That's the thing that I'm trying to learn at this stage in life is to stop and go, wow, that was a great accomplishment or, yes. you know, at least take the people around me in my circle and go, hey, guys, we uh, we did 100 episodes of Dance Bombs. That's a really big deal. You know, it's being seen in uh, all around the world. It's the number one show in Australia. It's the number one show in England. Our version of it. Our version of it. Do you think you're afraid that if you do stop and smell the roses, you may become lazy or you may step back five steps in your life? or Maybe. Because I think that when I accomplish something, what other people think is an accomplishment, I always look at it like, okay, great, we did that. Now what's next? Right. I'm always looking at what's next. And I, and I don't think that's a good thing. I well, think it's that because that's... now, you know, you started at the bottom. Right. And I think that that's really where you got a lot of your strength and a lot of your, uh, you really how you encouraged yourself to continue. But when you're already at a level where you're successful, now you're looking to find, like, what's going to motivate me now? I don't, I don't need the money. I don't need 
the fame. So what is it? So I think that you're just looking to find whatever that is that's going to keep you driving. But really what it is is you just are somebody who's goal-oriented. And you are yeah. just somebody who's driven. So it doesn't really matter if you have a million dollars or a billion dollars or a thousand dollars. It doesn't matter. It doesn't it matter. It doesn't matter, yeah. You're just a driven person. Right. And so that will always be there, regardless if you sit back and smell the roses for 10 minutes or if you go to Bermuda and relax right. or, if you, or if you're working till 10 o'clock at night. Well, and I think the thing that I really enjoy the most is work. I enjoy work. And I, I was trying to make a decision about um, a business decision recently and I – um, and it was Lisa. I was on the phone. I was texting her. We were talking because we're still very close. And I was telling her, you know, it's a really big decision. I'm not really sure what I'm going to do. And I remember she 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 wrote me back and she said, "Do you still do you still feel competitive? Are you hungry? Do you want do you want it? Like do you want to work?" And I was thinking, yes, yes, yes. You're right. You're right. You're right. And I knew what decision I should make. Because it was, am I, do I still feel competitive? Do I still feel hungry? I mm -hmm. think that was the thing she said. Do you still feel hungry? And I thought, oh my gosh, you're so right. Yeah, yeah. I do. I feel yeah. all those things. Okay, yeah. so now I know what decision to make. Yeah, yeah. It's never about, okay, I'm comfortably, I'm comfortable in my finance. I'm secure I'm never comfortable. It's, right. Never comfortable. And that's why that you'll always be. Yeah. be successful because never you're never comfortable. comfortable. Uh -uh. The people who are comfortable sit on the couch. I don't know how. <laughs> I don't know how to do that. I wish someone would teach me that. I'll teach you. I'll teach I you. Literally, no, I literally, I don't know how to sit down and watch a movie at home. I have to go, I have to literally go to a movie theater in order to be able to do that. Because if you put me on... If you put me in front of the television at home, you know, and you put on a movie or you go to Netflix or you pop in a DVD, I'm going to start in within minutes. I'm gonna I was going to say, you that guy that lights up the phone at the movie theater? Or I'm like, oh my gosh, is, did, did I pick up the dog poop? Let's go outside. I got to pick up dog poop. You know what I mean? Or did the... <laughs> Did someone water the plants and the pot on the back steps? Oh my god, you're like, so like ADD. Like I'm so funny. You're like, wait, what's this? What's this? What's this? You're always thinking about something. It's hilarious. Does the laundry need doing? <laughs> like, what's going on? Like, I cannot sit still. I don't know how. That's I've so always funny. been that guy. Yeah, yeah. And it's annoying. I relate. I'm, I'm exactly so the same. It's totally annoying so. for other people. Too. No, it is very annoying for the people. It's very yeah. hard to find a companion that actually understands. You, you have to find someone who's very patient. Yeah. Friend-wise, whatever it is, like you need to, that person needs to be very patient and understand where you're coming from. Otherwise, it's like, it's not easy because you're all over the place. All over the place. You're all over the place. The thing that I think is different about me, I, I've realized that's different about me at this stage of my career and of my life is that for the very first time, I do cherish my alone time. Good. I need it. Okay. I need to be alone. Yes. I need to be alone three or four nights a week because there's a lot of catching up that I need to do because mm -hmm. I I watch um, – the office has my uh, TiVo. You know, you can go to yes. TiVo and go online and you can – and so when development, when new shows come out, they'll they'll IM or, you know, email the one of my assistants and they'll – so I'll, I'll come home and there'll be shows on my, on my direct TV guide. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, that's my homework. So a lot of those are things that I don't want to watch with someone else because I want to, you know, they yes. may not be someone else's cup of tea. Right, right. And it's homework. So it's a lot of homework. Right. And I have three dogs. Um, and so I'm the kind of person that's driven to want to go home after this because I'm thinking, I'm already thinking about, you know, I'm going to go home tonight and Willis needs a bath. So that's, that's my evening. See how glamorous my life is? I'm going home tonight and Willis that. is going to get a bath. Willis is my 10-month-old oh, uh, Wheaton Terrier. And so I looked at him this morning when I left. And I actually went home at lunch because my office is really close by. And I looked at him and I was like, oh, my God, you're filthy. Like You don't understand how much I love dogs. You've so been outside like... and you're going to get a bath as soon as I get home tonight. So, 
So that's how glamorous. What kind of dogs do you have? I have a I have two Wheaton Terriers. Oh my gosh. And a Lakeland Terrier. Oh my gosh. I have a Wheaton Terrier who's going to be 13 next month. Um, I have a Wheaton Terrier Willis who comes to the office a lot. Who's gonna Who's 10 months old? And I have a a Lakeland Terrier Zoe who's seven, eight. I love the names. Yeah. I love the names. Buster, Zoe, and Willis. I love the names. Yeah, they're awesome. Fun. Yeah, they're cool dogs. Do they go? So, but it's a lot of work. Three, it, three dogs is, is a lot. It is. That's so a lot. we already. I, I don't even know how. Three dogs. My mom has two dogs at home, and she literally sleeps downstairs on the oh, couch so that the dogs yeah. are comfortable. It's a like, lot. It's all about dog. It's all about them because yeah. they're like your babies. They. You know? Um. You have to look. I'm very. Or, I'm very organized. I'm a very organized person. So they're. They have their area at the house. They have a doggy door they can go in and out. I have like you know. An assistant who helps me, you know, with them a little bit, who will come in the morning and feed them and take them for a walk because I go to the gym really early. Um, and who helps me with things like shopping and making sure the food's there. And yes. one of them, two of them are on medication. That's like what happens when you get dogs that really. One has one kind of medication that you have to get from this vet, and the other has a different kind of medication that you have to. Okay, I don't have time to do that. I know, so, I know. You know, it's thank God I, I can I, I have a little bit of help to yes, do that. Yes, yes. And just to keep the dogs like organized and make sure they're fed and make sure they have their areas they're loved clean too. They, they need yeah, love. They, they need to be love. checked on. You know, and they get a walk and, yeah. they're, and they're happy and yeah, like that kind of stuff makes me happy because I think that like draws me out of my my crap. You know, you're totally right. That's exactly what it is. Because I, I don't you're have kids. About you know, I'm worried about them. I'm focused on like what do they need? Oh, they're out of. Hooves. Like, we need some hooves to chew on. Like, Willis needs some new toys. He's bored with his toys. Like, I focus on stuff like that. Like Willis. Like, oh, my God. Willis. I love the name. I know. He's cool. Willis. He's cool. I love it. I think that you are you are somebody that, you know, at the end of the day, you you look for things to, to like you said, like, to kind of, to escape to, just in your mind. Like, the dogs give you 10 minutes mm-hmm. to just think about other things in life other than work. And it's it's like freedom, in a sense. It's it's It's... It's freeing for you. Yeah, it is. It's like taking a bath, but I don't think you can take a bath. I'm sure you'll just be no, like, oh I'm my not God, a bath I'm not a bath person. I hate baths. I'm not a bath person. I can't. No, I have like I can't four still. bathrooms in my house and only one of them has a bathtub. I like, tried yoga. That got was rid of the sh- They're all showers. Like, yeah. When you work out, do you work out like treadmill and stuff? Like fast. You know what? I do a really int- – I do I do the treadmill. I, I need to do it more. Um, I do the treadmill t- two times a week. Okay. I try to do two times a week. But I do a really interesting workout that's part Pilates and part um, lifting weight. Oh, nice. Because I injured myself a few years ago. Because I used to lift really heavy weight, and I was a lot bigger. But I injured my back. I have like a little, a little tiny bone spur that, that pokes me in the back. And so I went to this doctor, and he said, "Well, I could cut you open, but it's not that bad. Or I could shoot some, stick a big needle in you and make it numb, but it's you don't really need that." He goes, "What I'd recommend is some Pilates." And I'm like, uh, "I'll take number three. Yeah, so right. I went for the exactly. first time. I went to do Pilates, and I didn't know anything about Pilates, but I did it because the doc said, you know, it'll help you stand up straight because mm-hmm. you're over a computer, you're like mm-hmm. hunched over all day. So, so in this workout that I do with the with the, my my friend who's a trainer, we it's a lot of you know posture training and standing up straight and core work, and then we throw the weights in, you know, like to to keep strengthening. Yeah, to keep the strength your back. Yeah, you know, try to keep my shoulders. It elongates your your exactly, muscles and, and I can tell it makes you taller enough that you need that. It's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. It's a, it 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 reminds me a lot of like going to dance class. Yes, what that felt like to go yes. to dance class because oh. you're really. You're pulling yourself up and you're making yourself stand up straight. You know? Feels so good. Because when I started doing it, I felt like I had really bad posture. And I have a tendency to not stand up straight anyway. Me too. Um, you know, because I'm tall and I'm always like hunched over a computer. But it really does remind you. I highly recommend it. Yeah. Even if you can't afford to do Pilates, like just go take a Pilates class where there's four or five people in it. Yes. You can, you'll figure it out. Yes. It's not that hard. Totally. Yeah. Totally. It's a great workout. Speaking of dance. Yes. So Dance Moms, when did that come about? You, you obviously as a producer, you don't. To give an understanding to the people who are listening and watching, how did you 
figure out what Dance Moms was. Like, did you hear from? Did someone? Well, there it to are you? many different stories about how Dance <laughs> Let's Moms set came the about. So, well, I mean, this is my story. So, this is my reality. There are other people that have a different reality. Some of whom you've had on this show, but from the executive producer who owns the company's reality. There's a casting director, Brian Stenson, who was a casting director. He's he's an executive producer now, but he was a casting director, and he is my best friend for many, many, many years, has been a great friend of mine. And he was leaving a job, and so I said to him, hey, come and work at my company. It's new. Help me out. You know, while you're looking for a job, here's, you know, here's some money I can pay you. So we started talking about, you know, different worlds, and I, and I said to him, if you can find a show for me, you know, we'll you know, we'll cut you in and we'll make it work. So we talked about all these different worlds of what made sense. And I had gone to Lifetime because uh, an executive there named Gina McCarthy and I had done Bridezilla's together. I was just going to say, was it Bridezilla's? Back at Women's yes. Entertainment. And then there's another executive there, Rob Sherno, And Rob and I had done Billy the Exterminator together at A&E. So Rob and Gina were together as a team. And Lifetime was going through this huge rebrand. And they didn't have any programming. And so Gina said to me, come to New York. I want to sit down with you. And, and so I sat down with her. And she goes, look, you know how to make this really, she called it buzzy, buzzy stuff. You know, which is loud and, and a lot of controversy. I need you to bring me something loud and buzzy. In that sort of like the way Bridezilla's was, but not really Bridezilla's, you know, because we've already done that show together. And I thought, well, what can I do? So I was thinking about the mother-daughter relationship and how that relationship is so unique. And I thought, a woman's network, mother, let's explore the mother. So I started talking to Brian about how do we explore the mother-daughter relationship? And we were thinking like, well, look, there's only, you know, what do mothers and daughters do together? And dance kept coming up. And I thought, man, there's something there. And so he'd already been thinking about that. He already had a show in his mind about Dance Moms. And so he'd already been working on that. And he just said, hold on a second. You know, I may have something. So he'd already been working on no casting. And so there was a, a, a good friend of his, John Carella, who happened to be Abby Lee Miller's, you know, very, very dear friend, who had been talking to Brian. And they'd been consulting because Brian did Showbiz Moms and Dads years ago on Bravo. So he understood that space very well. Right. He understood the show of his moms and dad space. So he and John Carella had been talking about dance studios. And they, they all, so the idea, when you think about like how it all comes together, like I wanted to explore the mother-daughter space. Those two guys were already searching and looking in the dance world, and that happened to be mother-daughter. And then John Carella kept saying to Brian, unbeknownst to me, there's this woman, Abby Lee Miller. She's my friend. You got to go. So they started with the process. Unbelievable. Going back to the moment where you said everything has to come into play. Like, yeah. you send out so many things. It actually, this is literally the talent, and then the people, and then the casting. It's like, it all just fit into a puzzle. But it, but you know what it is? It's a lot, it's it's teamwork. I, you know, Gina and Rob said to me, we're looking, we need something that's loud and buzzy for this network. I went to my friend Brian and said, I need something to take to them that's in this space. I didn't know exactly what it was. I didn't have the idea. And the, so those guys had already been talking about it. So it's a matter of like back to asking, mm-hmm. what did I do? I What did they do? They asked me mm-hmm. for what they needed. What did I do? I went to the people I knew and I asked for what I needed. Yes. And so all those pieces of the puzzle came together. And the very first piece of footage I saw, I think they sent a flip cam to it was either Christy or Kelly, and I have it somewhere. No way! And they oh were up God. in the they were literally up in the uh, in the in the parent area, and they were sort of taping themselves, unbeknownst to Abby. I don't think she even knew that they were taping. It. And they were they were taping her with a flip cam while she was teaching, and I don't even think she knew that they were taping them. 
And that was the very first piece of footage I saw. And you just were was one. You Chrissy was, and Kelly. You yeah. were bought. You went over. I was right? like, oh my gosh, it's so compelling. Like it because of the way it was laid out and the way Abby had the the parent booth, you know, up above the bird's nest where they were like looking down and dancing. That's very rare. That it's dance, very, I'd I never seen it before. dancing my whole life. Yeah. You couldn't even, there was not even like a little, there was like a little peephole or something where the moms could peek sometimes, but they didn't want most teachers don't want parents watching because right. they get involved and they get catty and yeah. they're like, why isn't my daughter in the front? And that's, But there you, it's like the perfect starting ground right. for a show like this. Well, and Abby's dad built that studio for her. So I think oh. maybe that was part of her original idea was that she didn't want the parents in her face. Like, put them up there so that there's a place for them to be yes. so that they can actually watch, but they, they can't bother me. But you can still hear, she could still hear them when they're talking very she loudly. She can. And you know what the interesting thing about that is the, the way it's built, you, if you were to go to the other side of it, there's a dance studio on the other side as well. So yeah, she can hear them. She can hear them if they get loud enough up there. So from there, you have this flip, this flip, this video. Yeah, we put, we started putting this stuff together, you know, and we, so from the, from the very beginning of like the little tiny bit of flip cam video that we had, I don't remember, I don't completely remember right, how, right. It, how it transpired yes. from there. I just remember that I was hooked. And I don't remember if Brian and John went to shoot something or I, I don't remember how it transpired, but we eventually ended up with a, with a reel, you know, that really explained what the show was and we took it to Lifetime and they were willing to put it. it on the air. You know? Amazing. They went literally straight to series from a presentation reel. Did Six episodes. Did you ever think for one moment that it would be what it is today? No, I didn't. I didn't. You never know. Yeah. You never know. I mean, and there were many times when I thought, you know, it, it, it might go away because I thought, oh, the moms are tired of doing this or Abby's tired of doing it. Or, you know, sometimes the battles get pretty heated yeah. and things get, you know, out of control. And mm-hmm. and you think a lot of times I've thought, is this the end of it? Is right. this the end? I mean, I've wondered that, you know, last season. Is this the end? Is it over? Um, and then for whatever reason, you know, because of the way that the, the show is laid out, it's it really is so real. It, yes. Because think about it. The we, tears. I mean, that's enough. Well, and for people to think that, you know, we, the producers are behind that or we're the ones who are guiding that, that's so ludicrous. Because, I mean, God, if it if it could be scripted, it would be so much easier to make if we could write the script. But the, the truth of the matter is they show up, you know, they rehearse. There's a pyramid where Abby sort of sets the stakes at the top of the show by deciding, you know, who she feels is in favor that week. So imagine that sets the stakes right at the top of the show. And then people are assigned solos and duets. All right. So that creates a storyline right there because of what's going on. Um, and then they start down the path of learning numbers and rehearsing. And then they go to a competition. Somebody wins. Somebody loses. Somebody cries. They go home. And they come back the next week, and the next week's story is all driven by what it was that happened the previous week. It's amazing. So as long as they continue to compete and continue to go to those those dance competitions, you know, the story continues to just generate itself. Yep. So when you think about reality shows or or shows that don't work because the characters or they they wear out quickly, it's mm-hmm. because the producers, you know, have to start coming up with things for them to do. And you can feel the force. You can feel yeah, the, it feels the, like it's, it's not authentic. It's no, not being true no, to who they are. No. I don't think for one second any of those women or Abby or even the children think about the cameras. I they really don't, don't sense don't. that. I don't Are you guys very far away from them when you tape? You know, no. I mean, sometimes we are very close to them and sometimes we're not, but I think they're so used to the cameras. They don't, it doesn't, it doesn't come into play with them anymore. I mean, and look, the moms, all the moms are very individual. They have very distinct personalities. They have very distinct points of view. Mm -hmm. And even as close as they are, 
they don't allow each other to change their their POV. That's what I love about them. Yes. Is they all have very very. It's the best thing you can. They ever have very ask for. distinct personalities. They really you know? do. And they and the more the show goes on, the more they you know the more they are entrenched in their point of view. I should say. Yes. And they don't. And it, what made you decide to get involved physically and actually become the host for the reunions? Like, because you could have very easily said, was, "I want this person." Oh my god! It was by default. It was no. literally by default. Yeah. We, so the first reunion show we did, we were looking around at a host, and we thought, "Well, who can we throw into this situation?" <laughs> like, it's they have not to know exactly, about dance a little bit. Well, they have to I mean, watch come on, show. it's not exactly an, a group that's not intimidating. I mean, to sit next to them on the couch right. when they're you know in the midst of a heated argument. It's not exactly like you could take someone and just sort of throw them into that mix. And so we kept looking around at like, and this, I mean, we, the network and myself, we were looking around at, you know, different host talent and we thought, well, should it be someone funny and should it be someone unknown? And, you know, and when you do the very first one, you don't have a lot of money to pay because the network doesn't know if these things will rate. They don't know if anybody's going to watch or care other than just the fans of the show. And so I remember them saying to me, well, we've seen you do interviews before. Why don't you do it? You'll this be fine. Amazing. Oh, my and God. And I'm like, really, guys? Like, that? I'm your choice? Like, out of default? Well, we can't get anyone else to do it? And they go, well, you just do it. You'll be fine. And I thought, <laughs> oh, my God. Oh my God. <laughs> well, that's a ringing endorsement. And so I said to them, I said, all right, look, I'll do it. But if I suck at it, if I'm <laughs> terrible at it, will you promise me that you'll tell me? And you'll replace me because I don't want to be, you know, don't feel as though this is a favor yeah, to me because right, I don't right. really want to be on TV. I don't care. Right. I'm just doing this to facilitate the job. So luckily my, my producing team said, okay, look, you're just here to be the traffic cop. Don't make this about you. Keep it about them. And just, just keep the story Lisa moving. Lisa taught you that, correct? Didn't she, she teach did. you that? She yeah. absolutely did teach me that. And because, you know, I, I had, I watched People, you know, I, I, there was a time when we did talk shows the way we do reality shows now, where there were a lot of talk shows. Mm -hmm. And I think that because I had taught so many people how to do that job, how to be a talk show host, um, I just sort of innately understood mm -hmm. not to get in the way. I kind of innately understood, like, how to read the prompter and the fact that our... You're also thinking about, you know, you got questions in your lap and how do I keep talking to you and keep you engaged and not look down at the questions and, yep. you know, like all those things to try to make it as smooth as you can so that, you know, and, and make it about the other person so that I'm not really talking yes. about myself that much. So I did it and the network was like, yeah, you were, you were, you were fine. Isn't it amazing the moment you don't <laughs> want to be fine. on TV anymore is right. when you get your, your, your five minutes. I mean, really, that, not but, the five minutes. I no, mean, no, no, it's it, like a half no, no, an hour, no. hour, whatever but it, it is. It is, it is my, it's my two minutes of fame. It's but it's, it's, minutes. it's really, it has grown, you've grown, uh, you know, into now an on-camera personality. Well, and we do. And not even willing, not even wanting to do it's that. It's astonishing. The when moment you think you about, don't want it. when you, th when you roll the clock back and you think about what I would have given Oh anything, anything to have that opportunity when I first got to Hollywood and now the fact that I'm doing it and I don't care about it. That's and I why really you're so don't, good at it. And I don't care if it goes That's away. So it doesn't matter it. if it goes away. It's just, you know, it's not my job. My job is to be a, a producer and a production company owner. But I do like it. I'm, I'm happy to do it. I tell you what I'm happy is I like to go, you know, get the nice suits. Oh, you do have and, some yeah, I get to wear, like suits. You know, I, get I to like wear, those. Like, a suit. I like that. And I also like that you don't really have to watch the episode. Like, if you miss the episode and you just catch Dance Moms Reunion, you know exactly what happened. You paint a picture in people's heads of beginning to end. 
You well, story tell. You for. recap it. We need you here recapping with well, us. Well, I'm always Jeez. thinking when the when the ladies, when the moms are sitting there and Abby's sitting there, I'm always thinking about. I wonder if the person watching this really understands the story. Totally, totally. Because you, so you really go, okay, are wait invested a minute. in that. Let's go back and under, explain to everybody what mm-hmm. happened. You know? Right. So, so that's a, off. so that's the greatest compliment that you could have given me is that oh, you, well, you thank, understand. Well, it. I was just being honest. Well, thank you. Really, because you do tell the story, you recap the whole thing, and you don't let them get out of control because they. I mean, you you allow them to do it a little bit, right. but you reel them back in. You say, "Listen, let's we're talking about right. we're talking about this story right now. Let's right. not move to to Z or at B. You know." Let's... Well, thank God we have the time and the space to edit that because if right. you only knew what happened, if oh, the God. way it unfolded live, and they all get going, and it's just trying to reel them back in. Yeah. I oh my God, I can't even imagine. Because, I would love you know, to be a fly on the wall one you, of those you reunions. Bring up, you bring up issues that are sensitive. You rehash old wounds. And all of a sudden, the argument becomes very real again. Or the controversy becomes very real again. And then everybody wants to be heard. Right. And sometimes people want to be heard again. And sometimes people want to be heard again and again. And it's like, okay, we get it. We get it. Let's move on. I love it. And you. And now we have, I know we don't have a lot of time, but quickly I want to say we have, so we have Abby's um, Studio Rescue. Yes. And we're going to play that in just a second. But uh, we also have Raising Asia. Now that I don't know about. Okay, because it was on it was on um, Google. Uh, when? <laughs> it was on Google. I Googled it the other day. Oh. It said on LinkedIn. Someone's oh. LinkedIn has it. Oh, okay. I didn't I didn't okay. know that it had been announced. Oh, well I don't know if it was announced or but it was on LinkedIn. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't I don't know about that one. Okay, yeah. well there but the studio rescue yeah. and that one is basically like you said, she's like a bar rescue, kitchen right. nightmares type yeah. of thing. Um and um so there are rumors that you know, there are all these other shows. Nothing's been released yet. But do you think in the future there'll be other shows? You know what I do? I think that as long as there are uh, moms and daughters who go to dance class, I think that this area will always be um, interesting to watch. Yes. And I think every year there's a new mom and a new daughter that go to dance class. And I think as long as that continues to happen, which I don't see that drying up anytime soon, I think that we will. This this area will always be ripe for discussion. Yes. I really do. I do too. And you know, the thing about the, what's really interesting about the, the world of dance is that even in the last 10 years, um, the competition world has really heated up. And so now when kids go to dance class, they go to dance class because they want to be at a studio that's going to go to competitions and compete. So that's a whole other element that really wasn't present before. Right. You know, totally. you, you throw competition. Look, you put any parent and a child in a, in a situation where they're competing against other children, that's right for, for drama. Like the pageants and all that. Yeah. It's just, any, it of that any of that stuff is, is, it really, uh, is. really amazing. I think a lot of times it's because they do, in a sense, live their dreams through their kids. Um, not in, to say dance moms like that, but at least with the pageants. Yeah. It seems a lot of times they're like, the kids don't really want to do it, but they, you know, and they play a little bit more on, it's a little more, it's a little more disturbing when you watch like the pageant shows, yeah. um, truthfully, in my opinion. But this actually... I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's because the kids actually really get along and uh-huh. they're actually, they're all, they're all very goal oriented. These kids want yeah. this. And that's the difference. The pageant kids don't usually want it. Well, the dance kids have a, have a work ethic. They, they t- have a tremendous work unbelievable. ethic. Unbelievable. Yeah. And they want it. And I, I always say to the moms and I say to anybody, you know, look, whatever happens when the show is over and the girls who are on the show, if they continue on to, to want to be performers, I'm sure they'll be very successful. But if they don't, I know that they will be successful at whatever it is they choose to do. I don't have for a second ever 
in the back of my mind, think that one of those kids is going to go down the wrong road. I don't. Oh, I don't either. I don't. And, I, and I've and i seen that growing up in the dance world. Yeah. A lot of people, a lot of kids have, you, you're like, that's her now? It's crazy. Yeah. But it, it was different, though. They, yeah. I've never seen a work ethic, like you say, in right. children this young. It's, I, they look like adult dancers on draw. It's amazing. Yeah. None of those kids will go down the bad. None no. of those kids will take a bad path. I don't think that any of them will ever get into trouble. No. I just always think they're going to be very, very goal-oriented. I think they're always going to see what hard work can do and how you can achieve from hard work. I think they're always going to have a little bit of the fame bug. I think they understand television. I think they're savvy to, like, you know, uh, Facebook and Twitter. I mean, the girls have something like 10 million. Uh, it's it's insane. And, and have you seen Maddie's uh, video, the Sia video? No. It's crazy. Oh, the, oh, the music video. Yeah, the music yes. video. Yes. Yes, unbelievable. I mean, that's insane. They're just yeah. obsessed. At this yeah. point, kids are just... And, and I think that's where also it comes to be... It comes with a lot of... Um, uh, going back, like a lot of rumors. I yeah. feel like a lot of times a show like this with so much success, there's all these... There's all these crazy rumors. There's all these crazy things that people say about how they really are, this and that. But, you know, at the end of the day, as long as you you know, you right. love your job, you love what you do, you have a heart, you have a soul. Like, you're not going to, you know, you actually believe in these kids. You actually believe in this show. Right. And I think that's why it's so successful. Because you didn't just say, hey, it's making me money. Like, let's, whatever. I sold no, the show. No, Bye. No, 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 you're, no. like, invested in it. You're there. You're, you're, you're what? Obviously, you watch every episode. Well, I think really if you have, look, if I think you have that attitude about making television that it's just about money, I don't think that you'll have a show that's that lives beyond we call it one and done in my business, which is really the worst kind of series to have, is one that only lasts for one season, you know. Yeah. You don't want that. Right. You want shows that come back. And it's really hard, you know, having shows that return season after season after season, that's that's really an anomaly. It's difficult mm-hmm. to do. Yes. Difficult to do. So I'm thankful to the moms and Abby and the team and everybody that's involved in it. Yeah, absolutely. Let's let's play the uh the little clip that you are so gracious to bring us. I'm taking over the studio. You have to put on a showcase for the entire oh. town. Abby has a new show. The place is a dump. You're driving me crazy! Thanks, what? When dance studios fall apart, awesome. I'm laying down the law. Abby is here to save the day. You want to walk away? I want to turn this place away. Let's get down to business. Come on in the studio! Abby's Studio Rescue, Tuesday, June 24th at 9. Abby to the rescue. On Lifetime. We were right, June. <laughs> Set awesome? Okay, great. <laughs> I am so excited for this. Yeah, it's great. It's a really great show. It's a great show. Are you, now, are you going to keep doing reunions for other parts of like this show, obviously? Are you going to do a reunion for this? I don't know. I have a, I, I suppose if it does well and they and they want one. I, I think you should do I, more. It could be cool. Do yeah, more. Uh, we need more cool. Jeff Collins well, on Lifetime. I don't know if you need more of me. You just, need more, you just need more dance moms because that's what everyone loves to watch. But I'm happy to help out in any way I can. I love it. All right. This well, thank so you. fabulous. Thank you so much for coming here Absolutely. today. You're so cool. You right. really are awesome. Well, thanks. Thank you so much for watching. And we will upload this to iTunes and YouTube. And have a great day. Bye. From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later. The views expressed herein are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.